welcome to this week's Confidence Mastery podcast episode. It is going to be an amazing one. You're going to really enjoy this. We have the amazing Philippa B. I'm calling you Philippa B because that's how I know you. Um, Thank you very, very much for joining me on this episode. I'm really excited to talk with you. Thank you for having me. And yeah, Bagley. Do you know what? I forget that everything I have says Philippa B. And then I'm like, oh, you should, I should probably tell people my last name. Bagley. <laughs> but thank you, Natalie, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And I really hope that we can deliver some great value for everybody. Oh, I know. I know we will. We are confidence mastery for a reason. And I have confidence in this conversation. So would you just give people a bit of an insight into you and what you do now? And then I'm going to just explore some stuff with you that I know people are going to love. Wonderful. So now I am a what's called a life transformation strategist. Um, it's basically, and I'm probably underselling it, it's basically life coaching. But the difference to what I do is I'm also um, an emotional change therapist. So I take people and often some people just need a bit of a guidance. And we all know this. We just need someone to listen to us, give us a second point of view and point in the mind. That's great. What I'm finding, and particularly, and I'm sure you've seen this with, with COVID, with all the stresses of the world, there's some real deep embedded trauma that, that's mm-hmm. existing in people or mental health problems. And because I have the therapy as well, I can kind of deviate from normal coaching and do deep dives into what's blocking them, into childhood traumas, into abuse situations. And, and the whole point of what I do is to make sure that after every session, the person leaves with not only clarity of where they're going next, but also, you know, a weight lifted from them as well. And sometimes you need that deep therapy to do that. Mm-hmm. I was really interested in talking with you about the trauma side of things because we, I, I think most human beings have experienced some kind of traumatic experience that we hold on to, and until we let it go, we ne- we never move forward from that point. And I also think that someone was saying to me um uh, on another on another podcast episode that we're just children in big bodies oh 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent because something may have happened as a child and because we haven't processed it and dealt with it we're still there mm-hmm. and i i see and you'll have seen and everybody's seen the the sheer amount of grief and trauma that has happened over the past three years uh, i'm glad that you mentioned covid and lockdowns and things that have happened and people aren't releasing that or giving themselves permission to be able to move forward because there's actually still a whole load of fucking shit coming at us with digital IDs and Agenda 2030 and like 15-minute cities and all of this. But that's, that's, a, that's another episode in itself. But what I really want to, to explore with you is that release of trauma, that emotional trapping, because we hold on to that in our body and that shows up physically, mentally. And I know that like from reading your posts and from knowing you, that this is something that is going to be so beneficial to to help people with, you know? So again, thank you for for joining us. Thank you. And and to your point, I mean, you've got it spot on. So a lot of our trauma, we we get between the ages of naught and seven. We don't even know it. Yeah. And then what happens over the course of our lifetime is we just layer things on top. And and the other thing I liked that you said was about the space to process. And I've got um I've got a client who had a an incident nine years ago 
they never had the physical space to process because of their living circumstances, because of their work circumstances, because of their physical circumstances. And, and we can't underestimate the, the need of space to process these things, mental and physical space. And so, of course, many of us go through our lives carrying this trauma with us. And like you say, it physically manifests itself. It makes you ill. It, it makes you put on weight in some situations. It gives you, you know, it, it clouds the mind and, and how you view the world. So, and I think you, you now take the fact we've had this global event, COVID, but actually even before that, um, my friend's an economist and she talks about black swan events. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like in the average century, there are like, Three black swan events, which is where like stuff goes crazy and you're not expecting it. In in the 20th century, we've, we've had like eight already. Mm-hmm. So before COVID, we had all these events like the recession. Um, Brexit for us has, has been a black swan event, what like it or not, or load bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all laid up. And then you, you suddenly get COVID and we're out of COVID. We've been told, oh, it's all fine now because COVID's over. We're all good, but it's not over. The, the trauma is still being carried. And now we've got possibly another recession. Definitely. Mm-hmm definitely food prices and and people people are breaking and it's it's terrible it really is and it shouldn't be that way it shouldn't and we have this as an entire global population of people that are struggling don't know how to deal with this because we've never had to deal with this and you've you've got like food that is not on the shelves that is naturally available but yet all of the processed stuff is still available like, if that doesn't make you start to question things, I don't know what does. Right. <laughs> but what, what kind of things would you recommend to people to release this trauma of, whether it's one event or actually of the past three years? Because I, I think that that's so strong with everybody and that, a lot of people they really don't realise what's what's happened. Mm-hmm. Like the the stuff that we've been put through, like you say, these, these black swan events has been so many all together all at once. And now, now the aliens come in. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Good, 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 Goddy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and I think one thing you said there was really important, which is people don't aren't aware of this, and that's the thing with trauma. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us actually aren't aware we have it. We might be aware that we don't quite feel right. We might be aware that things are harder than they used to be. We won't necessarily call it trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for some people to, to even say I have a trauma or I think that, you know, something like that is really triggering because you, you then take what is already a negative event. Mm-hmm. You almost apply guilt to yourself for admitting that you have this. So you have that secondary guilt of something isn't right. It might be trauma. Oh, my God, I can't say that because of make me feel different or make me like stand out uh, and again to your earlier point we all have trauma mm-hmm. we all do and some of us are, are fortunate enough to be able to deal with ourselves but many people again don't have the time or the space to think about it so the first thing I would always say is you know try to give yourself space and that is actually really hard to do whether you think it would be easy because we live in this world now where it's 24-hour news and you and I probably remember not having 24-hour tv and and not having internet and all the rest of it dial up Um, (laughs) I I mean like and and I'm not saying it was the best time because technology brings us many many advantages yeah 
but all the stuff that we, we're relearning now about mindfulness, being in the moment, we kind of knew when we weren't bombarded with things 24-7. We, we didn't have to give it a name, though. It was how we lived. It was mm-hmm. reading instead of being on the, on the internet. It was playing outside instead of being on your phone. Um, and, and and that's... Children don't go... You don't see children out playing anymore, do you? No. And, and, like, my whole toddler was outside my bike running, you know, like, it's just so yeah. fast. Yeah, and you just went and knocked on... Like, are you coming out to play? Like, that was the best part of the day. Putting on, taking your school uniform off, and like going and going and playing forty forty eight and British bulldog, and like just sitting on the grass and like running around the woods. And I mean, I'm from London, and we've still got so much greenery that you know. And it makes me sad actually that that the next generation are missing out on that kind of interaction and communication and there's so much trouble with people being able to communicate with each other because they don't know how to anymore because we have these screens in front of us 24 7. Well, well there's also like there's the increased incidence of, of people who think that their children have ADHD mm-hmm. and, and often um it's not ADHD it's just that they haven't learned to be present in the moment they haven't learned to be calm they, they, they're constantly bombarded by images by different things and our brains can only process six to nine things at one one point. There's something like 70,000 things being given to our brain every second now. And it's increased, you know, since the 80s. It's, it's getting higher and higher and higher. So, of course, some children aren't staying still because their brain is just going, poo, poo, poo. And, and, and the brain's reaction is either to delete it, so ignore it. So you've got a teacher telling you to do something, but your brain's already processing 10 things over here. You're going to delete that information from the teacher. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is the challenge. And we have it as well as adults. Again, you know, how many of us multitask, especially now that we're always on Zoom as well. Like, I love I love the advent of remote working in terms of we, we have embraced it better. And I think people have realised that you can be effective at home. Mm-hmm. I know I'm guilty if if I'm on like a, you know, a webinar. I'm doing six things at once. Yeah. How many tabs have you got open? Absolutely. Um, I do, I, I'm... I'm with that I tell people don't do that um with that do as I say not as I do but part of it is like I know I'm going to come back to that later but I absolutely it annoys me actually when you're on a call with someone and you can see them doing something else when you're <laughs> supposed to be have you know be present in the moment yeah and I think that like coming back to that point uh, that you were saying of like being present and creating that space is the way that we need to to revert back to like we need to go back to how we used to be in order to move forward yeah and and, and going back to that child state is that we are all grown-up children um but unfortunately we're grown up that damaged children in many cases and and so creating space now the other thing that that we struggle to do is be alone mm-hmm and part of that, that's not a bad thing because we humans are by nature sociable creatures. Even even introverts during lockdown realise that they they don't hate people, they just need to recharge from them, and that's perfectly healthy. Um, but sometimes when you're dealing with trauma, you do need to, to get that space to go away on your own, just to, to allow your thoughts to take over, to, to allow things to come out. Because what you find with someone who's dealing with some traumatic um, times is things will pop up randomly, uh, negative thoughts, 
uh, adverse reaction over the top that what you expect. But they control it. They bring it back in again. They're like, oh, it's just because I'm tired. It's just because of this. And you don't see the signs. Mm-hmm. You just you 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 uh, associate it with with different kind of stress. And yes, it, it is all tied in. But the point is, if you think of your brain like a cup, and that cup is filling up and keeps filling up. And if you're lucky, you're going to drink it or empty it or find some way of controlling how how the cup is used. But if you don't, it's going to flood everywhere and there'll be more carnage. So it's all about giving yourself the the time to to really get to know you, to be present with you, to acknowledge the fact that there may be trauma. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) if they made, makes you human. And just just let yourself, let your mind wander to to where it wants to go. And if it's going to a dark place, then you probably need to talk to someone about it. You probably need to not ignore those thoughts. Don't don't act on some of those thoughts, but but reach out to people whether it's just a friend to start off with. Kind of go, do you know what? I think maybe I'm not okay. And that really is the the next big step is going, I'm not okay, and telling someone that. Mm-hmm. I think people need to give themselves permission to say I'm not okay mm-hmm. and ask for help like people so struggle so much with asking for help because they believe it makes them weak they don't want to feel like the victim but actually when you ask for help you empower yourself to move forward Definitely. and it makes you a much stronger person like we have a message better together you know we are better together people need people and I used to be that person that was like pushing all of the the bad shit away, pretending like it never happened, not dealing with it, putting, you know, like an ostrich, put my head in the sand. And it made me a shit person. I was a fucking asshole because I, I didn't process any of the stuff that was going on. But actually, when I faced that and I took responsibility, things started to change. My, my mind opened up the conversations the, the the level deepness of conversations increased and um, you know this podcast wouldn't have happened had I not dealt with like some of the shit that happens happened in my life um which is partly why I do this to help to give back to one to because some of it is I, w- I wish I'd I'd had this to listen to <laughs> um but also it allows me to have interesting conversations and open the doors to conversations for, for people that have interesting stories that are able to help people when they are making a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see with you and like the content that you put out. And I don't think that there's enough recognition for, and I'm going to say for both of us, actually, for people like us and what we do, because it does change people's lives in a way that isn't conventional it's not mainstream we're not mainstream people like you said um before we started recording like normal people like what (laughs) What don't trust the normal people no No. (laughs) (laughs) which actually um you have an interesting background and like i love stories like this could you just share a little bit like what took you into the military and then coming out and I've got a lot of friends that are ex-army and, and or, or, you know, and they've all got their reasons for leaving. And I, I find it fascinating to to know why you went in and why you came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the reason why I went in is part of the story you don't know before that. So uh, 
I went to university, that was my mm-hmm. university, and I actually studied Russian uh, and history. So I wanted to do, I wanted to live abroad, I went to languages, I thought, oh, where's well, really crazy that, that like my parents can't go to? Oh yeah, Russia. <laughs> Amazing. Um while I lived in Russia, I actually got hit by a car. So I was I was living in uh, St. Petersburg at the time, and a drunk driver ran through a red light as I was crossing the road. And I woke up in hospital and I had to do things like relearn how to walk. And in the grand scheme of things, it was cool because look, I'm here now. And it's like 20, over 20 years ago now. Yeah. Um, but 21 year old me was like, how can I test my body once I get, you know, once I got home? And I, and I um, had a lot of friends at uni who were doing the army officer stuff. And I went, oh, Pip, we think, you know, you've always loved sports. And I did martial arts at university. He thought about the army. I was like, not really. Uh, thought I'd give it a go. So, so I actually joined the army to test my body after being hit by a car. Wow. It itself probably implies there's something wrong with me. <laughs> you know what? That's an interesting thought process because I wanted to join the army when I was 16. But at that point, their line was they weren't putting women on the front line and I wanted a gun. So, <laughs> I mean, but it sucks. It's their loss, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, so, so actually, I joined the reserves initially. Yeah. Um, so I went into the Royal Signals and learned about radios and stuff, and um, and I kept working as well. But then I, I kind of felt that, um, and and the reserves, the role of the reserves has changed a lot. So when I initially joined, Iraq had just happened. Basically, Afghanistan was kicking off, and so whereas before the the, the TAs, it was called, and the reserves now was very much seen as a bit of a drinking club, and it wasn't taken very seriously. Of course, I come along and, and we have all these operations going on. And so from my point of view, to be a legitimate soldier, I had to serve in an operation. So I volunteered to go to Afghanistan. Um, and I, you know, I had a great, uh, challenging, but, but great experience. <laughs> a great but, experience. OK, let's, let's delve into I, that. It's like butlins that people shoot at you. Does that help? <laughs> uh, no, it, it was. I'm it, taking it, my mastermind like, paintballing is it is does that compare totally just the same absolutely the same just just sticking with some hot fans if you need the same um but i um i'd actually transferred to the intelligence corps by this point uh so so it's a bit doing doing an analyst job um but yeah as a soldier for me it was a case of well i've trained to go on operations i've trained to go to war yeah how do i know if i'm any good if i never go to war Mm-hmm. Uh, reservist or not it doesn't matter like I felt like I wanted to be to to, to justify the training the, the training yeah and, I understand that and, and you know to push myself further and, and and I loved the military I loved the army for the the opportunities it gave me to push push myself so I did like you know three peaks charge in 24 hours 100k in 24 hours all those crazy things that you like you look back and go wow I really was fit and now I'm not um, <laughs> You know, it, it it was great. And there's also the camaraderie that you get. And I can't, I think we lie to ourselves in the military. I think we look back at our training and our freezing cold nights and our bruises and our breaks and we go, man, it was amazing. It wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, there were some nights on my training, I was like, I am just fucking cold. Mm-hmm. Just want to go back to bed. Um, but you get to the end of it and you've achieved something and that is yeah. great yeah that you know and you go through everything and it builds you resilient it teaches you how breakable you are and how much mm. you can overcome and 
And I think for me, it was a case of going, like, how much more can I push myself? And as a yeah. woman as well, yeah, sex doesn't come into it. But as a woman, to be a, be respected in the military, sometimes you have to be better than a man. Yeah. And 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 so I'd, I, I have so much so much respect for you doing that. That is probably <laughs> the one and only thing in my life that I think, like, I don't believe in regret. But that's probably the one thing I think if I had actually gone and signed up, I would have been really good at and pushed myself in the same way that you did um, to, to see what you're capable of. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I never did it. and I was never fit enough to do it. But part of me would have loved to go for special forces training just to yeah. see if you could do it. For no yeah. other reason. I don't want to do that. Their job is fucking hard. I never yeah. want to do the actual job. <laughs> but can I Can I do the physical? The can physical I side training? of it. You yeah, know. no, I love that. I feel exactly the same. I'd love to go through that training. But but then walk away again. Great. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Yeah, I don't want the job. <laughs> I just want the, job, the <laughs> training. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and so um, there is no other experience like it. Um, and there's no other camaraderie like it. You know, I've got friends from, I work with people from the US who are still very close to me, you know, across the country, across all the services, even the RAF, they're all right. Who knew? Um, but That was the other thing I wanted to do when I realised they wouldn't give me a gun, was I thought I'd join the RAF and be a pilot. <laughs> and then I never did that either. So I'm um, now learning how to fly a plane anyway. <laughs> no, you're not missing out on the RF. No, no, I'm joking. Can't help myself. They are lovely. They're, again, they, these are all, you know, my extended family, different shapes, sizes, and flavors. People who who have taught me a lot about me, about the world, about what I'm capable of. Um, and there's been real some real highs and lows. But yeah, I joined because I got hit by a car and thought, oh, I wonder if I'm fixed. <laughs> That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. But what was it? What was it like in Afghanistan? Um, so uh, this is where I kind of go. I, I don't think I'm a real veteran. So I was in Bastion. Uh, so Bastion is the main was the main camp in Afghanistan. I lived in a tent with uh, initially six other blokes, and I got moved to a tent with six other women because um, they went, "Oh no, there's a girl in the boy tent. What do we do? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're not going to have an orgy. We're all good." Um, <laughs> but um, were there any? Really? <laughs> if they were I weren't invited so there you go <laughs> um and and so my experience was 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 actually I mean I joke it's like butlins people should it was kind of it was very chill in comparison right. we did get mortars there were a few dodgy incidents and as a woman there were other risks so last year we had a lot of foreign nationals working with us some of whom you, you can't vet everyone the way we did in the UK because there isn't that system so there were like kidnap attempts and women were often targets for kidnap attempts just because we kidnapping a woman evokes a very emotional reaction. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but to be honest, I, I, you know, I did my job. I lived in the desert for six months, but I had a cookhouse to me. I had Danish special forces in one camp. I had the Americans over there. It was I was pleased that I did my job. But yeah. I would never compare myself to people who were actually doing patrols. Like I did the the overwatch of the patrols. I was like looking at the drones, going, "Yep, that's cool," or, or "Don't go there," or "That's a bad guy." But equally, without the people like you, the people out there couldn't do what they were doing either. No, I, I know you're part of a massive ecosystem. I, I think that um, 
mine mine was like the the butlin's version of going to war like it's a bit run down a bit dodgy but basically you have a good time there's some red coats you sing and dance every now and then Um, (laughs) it it, it could have been a lot worse but I but I was really pleased for me for two reasons one is I I went out to what's called an individual augmentee so I went from my unit the intelligence unit to the artillery I was attached to and the artillery were all all regular soldiers full-time never met me never knew me had no reason to like me and they were great. And I think that for me was validation that maybe I'm not a dickhead. Like, maybe I'm all right. You know, if people who don't know me in a war zone don't have issues with me, that that was a big deal. Um, so, and also ultimately that I was fit enough to go, I passed all the tests to go. I, you know, that that just meant that, okay, I can do this for real. And, and that's what matters, that all this training isn't just for show, yeah. that I have something to contribute. Yeah. So what made the what made you made can I put your teeth back in that Lee? <laughs> I've done a lot of talking over the past <laughs> week. <laughs> what helped you make the transition from from that and leaving there to what we're doing? Uh, so it's so I'm now I'm forty next week. In fact, congratulations! Thank you very much. Um, so like, we have this thing. So just just before you okay. say that. We have this thing um, in my in my mastermind group that someone said, oh, my husband said I'm getting on a bit or, or something like that. And I was like, oh, no, 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 age is just a number. Oh, yeah, sure. And we don't say how old are you. We say what age are you? I mean, mentally, I'm about seven and I get Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Birthday for next week. Thank you very much. Uh, but what I was going to say was, so, you know, I've I've spent the last 20 years doing either a combination of military and then I went um, in parallel doing that. So I stayed as a reservist, did, did my full time commitment and then came back to reservist. Um, in parallel, I went into corporate, I ended up, I worked for big defence companies, as lots of military people do. So I worked for the likes of Lockheed Martin. I worked for Deloitte for a very short period of time, very short because it was not a good cultural fit for me. And. Um, there are some great people at Deloitte. It didn't work for me, and that's okay. And then I became independent, uh, but all doing project and program management and in engineering kind of spaces. And I think it was it was so I left the reserves two years ago because of unfortunately um, my health. So I got diagnosed with B twelve deficiency um, about four or five years ago. But it took him so long to diagnose it that my lungs got scarred. I got asthma, all this kind of stuff. So, um, and I felt that if I can't do the job physically, although sitting at a desk for me as an analyst was part of the job, like I wanted to do the full thing. And then I thought also there's other things I can do with my time as well, because you still, you know, have a a commitment as a reservist. And I felt, well, I can't fulfill the physical requirements anymore. So how else can I use my time? Mm -hmm. So that's when I, so that was uh, Jan 2021. And then a year ago now, I kind of went... Am I going to spend the next 30 years of my life at a desk? Like that. <laughs> That's it. Um, and so I'd already qualified in mental health. I'd always qualified as a coach. The part that I was missing was the emotional change therapy, but I didn't know that was what I was missing at the time. But I basically walked away from what I was doing and went, like, let's find myself. But, but you know, let's try different things. Let's just be free of, of you know, expectations and pressure that we put on ourselves and I've always believed in service you know the military through some of the the work I've done since 
And when I found this, it just resonated so strongly with me of like, I don't like to piss around, right? I don't like to. I get that. I think that's why I'm drawn <laughs> to you. Like, you're very similar to me. Like, like the discipline, the, we make things happen. Yeah. And, and you want to make things happen for other people as well. Yeah. And the reason I loved emotional change therapy so much was because it is really fast and effective. I'm not saying I'm going to like cue in one session, but but I had, for example, a, a, a lady who had domestic abuse, had experienced domestic abuse. And actually, um, and what you often find with, with with different situations is there's one trauma that's carried around the most. Yeah. If you can unblock that one trauma, it does open up other things, but it, it, it's like entering half the cup because it frees up so much because so much of your mental energy is taken by that one thing. So in one session, I cleared up that 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 big one thing, and that was and and that's and it's powerful. Funny, it, it, exactly. And you think, well, if if I can do this for one person, how many people can I do it for? Um, but also for her, another lady who'd been struggling for years and years and years. And again, one session was all it takes. But but part of it, I think, is traditional therapy involves a lot of talking. Yeah. You talk about your feelings and your problems and how do it make you feel. And that is important. And there's people who really do need that. But actually, a lot of people don't have to have, have ruminated it so much in their minds. They don't want to talk about it anymore. They just want it gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so emotional change therapy for me is that tool to get rid of it fast we can still talk about it because i'm still trained to talk as well um but and and you know i had i have a friend who she's in the army still she's in, in, in the, she's an officer in logistics course she's lovely and she's got a phobia of spiders i was like what do you want to get rid of it i know how to now and she's like no why do you want to get rid of a phobia like because i don't know what my life would be without without it like i've always had this phobia i don't want to let go of it and and that's another really brain, you know and and that's really common as well people don't want to let go so they dance around it they they talk about it again and again and again mm. but whereas if you do want to let go one two three sessions what could life be like uh, if you allow the change exactly if you hold on to the, the trauma and the phobias and all of these things and it's this the people being scared of change and um, well what will I have they hold on to this yeah. this is who I am because of this thing that happened but actually that may be just the thing that happened to you that doesn't define who you are as a person and that's why I think this kind of work so important and so powerful to allow people to be who you're, who they're meant to be mm-hmm. and like really connect with yourself and that's one of the things that we talk about first with, with what I do is that connection to yourself and giving yourself permission to connect with yourself so that you can have better relationships with other people. And if you're finding that these people are holding on to and want to continue to hold on to these things, this is where I I always I struggled and got so frustrated. Right? I used to get so frustrated with these people because I'm like, I can do so much for you. I I can see it. There's just one thing you need to do and life will be so much better and you won't mm-hmm. be complaining or moaning and this, this and this. But they don't want to put a work in because they want to hold on to this identity but that isn't them. The pain is comforting in itself. The fear yeah. is comforting in itself. And that's something we can't underestimate. And getting back to your how do we treat trauma, they have to want to be treated as well. Mm-hmm. And that is a big deal. And my 
my husband, my poor, my poor husband, I have a three moan rule with him. If he's moaning about something for more than three times, he gets no more sympathy because he's done nothing about it. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a good way to think about things. I like that. Either, either you either you care enough to do something about it yeah. or you don't. And if you don't, that's cool. But don't tell me about it. I want to help you. I don't want to hear you moan about it and do nothing. Yeah, I have said the same like same thing to friends. Like, yeah, I've heard this before. But what are you about well, it? Well, you've, done, you've done nothing about it. So yeah. I, I can't help you. Like, you're absolutely right. People have to want to help and to want to do the work. Um, and and, and, and there's, there's, sorry, there's a, there's a thing also about being a victim as well. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing about when you've got trauma is you have to take ownership and stop being a victim. And again, that is really hard and really scary. And, and you know, I make light of my husband and his moaning. But but in reality, um, we're kind of taught to be a victim because we're told like, oh, poor you, you had a terrible experience. That's terrible. Like you must feel terrible. And and yes, there should be sympathy. There should be empathy. There should be support. But if you really want to move forward, you have to own it and go, this shit happened. I let it happen. For whatever reason, I let it happen. Maybe because I was a child and couldn't do anything about it. And then you've got to accept that fact and go, you you couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So let it go. Or maybe because I was too afraid. Again, you, you were too afraid and that's okay. So let, but let it go now. You're not that person anymore. Or you don't have to be that person. But you have to step out of being a victim and start being in control. And that, that means facing the good and bad about yourself as well. You have to accept you wholly, like all of you, because you you can't you know although there is a condition isn't there where people like they don't want their 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 limbs and they chop them off oh yeah i mean the brain is a powerful and scary place (laughs) yeah it is um but if we don't accept ourselves wholly and 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 understand all of these things we're never going to have the confidence to go forward in life and and do incredible things and if you think about all of the people that you know how many amazing people and stories that they have that could help other people yeah so i always think and feel like i'm doing people a disservice if i don't put this podcast out if i don't do the content that i do and i don't have these conversations so that people can listen and learn and i don't say that from a place of ego i say that from a place of service because we do all need help Mm-hmm. whether we want to admit it or not and I know there'll be people listening to this and thank you very much for listening that are thinking I don't want to own up to that I don't want to accept that but there's something deep in them that does want to but otherwise they wouldn't be listening exactly but but sometimes it takes time to accept even that in yourself you'll say I'm listening to them for a friend I'm listening just because I'm interested in but, but I don't need this this isn't for me it's just for general awareness but, but to your point of, you know, people need this. So uh, yesterday I did a post on LinkedIn. Um, I don't often like actively sell myself as it were on LinkedIn just for to share. But I did one saying, look, DM me if you meet these criteria, you know, if you're feeling stuck and overwhelmed. I had one of my contacts reached out who I worked with about six, seven years ago saying, I, I feel terrible, but this is me. And if I hadn't put that post over there, we wouldn't now be talking and, and and you know, trying to help him. And even if I can't help him, one, he's reached out, but two, I mm-hmm. can connect with someone who's better for him if it's not me. 
Yeah. And it's just like you say, putting yourself out there to have those conversations. There is a duty to help people almost if you have these skills. Yeah, exactly. And like when you do have the skills, like you should help people because imagine that you didn't have the help that you needed. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have so much help and I ask for help all of the time now because it makes me better able to serve. And like you just said, if I don't know the answer, I'll know somebody that does. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the funny thing with people who go, oh, I don't like to bother people. And I'm one of those people like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience people. I don't want to help. But, but, but I tell my clients, again, do as I say, not as I do. I tell my clients, if someone comes to you for help, would you help them? Oh, totally, yes. So why would it be any different if you asked for help? Yeah, and, and But we all, we all you know, 99.9% of us will help one of our friends or colleagues if they ask us for help. We wouldn't begrudge it at all. No. Yet we don't do it for ourselves. Well, hopefully now people will start to from listening, <laughs> yeah. listening to this. Yeah. And you absolutely must sell yourself more. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> No, 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 no. We don't try. We do. Maybe OnlyFans. Is that the right there? <laughs> I had, um, I had an OnlyFans uh, foot, foot fetish page that I had an Instagram page for that got shut down. I'm like, how are pictures of feet like against community standards? That's amazing. It was That's literally amazing. just pictures like of feet and shoes. I've got a thing for shoes, and um, I post a lot of like walking videos and my shoes. I was like, oh, there's something in this. So I did a little poll. Should I start a subscription service for feet? And they was like, yes, all right, okay, great. I'm going to do this. And it's because that is well, the world is crazy, right? There are worse things. Feet, feet are not not the issue in the world for sure. No, there are much bigger things to deal with. What no. what tips would you give to people that are feeling these things they've got these emotions inside them and they they're on the brink they want to ask for help they want to deal with it but they don't quite know how to so um come talk to me come talk to you that's always a great start talk to a friend somebody you trust remember when you're when you're in your head things always seem a lot worse than they really are and and again one of the issues we have as humans is we ruminate too much we play things around and I had it particularly if you're in that that dark space your thoughts become all-consuming so if you you know if you find yourself going round and round in circles or even if you just feel like something's a bit off then then reach out to somebody you trust a starting point or someone you know who's trained to help you and just go is this right am I right um but also to your point of your your confidence have confidence in what you're feeling in terms of if you think something isn't quite right you were probably right. Mm-hmm. So so talk to somebody about it. Yeah. I'd say be careful with research that you might do because Dr. Google is a big fat liar. Often. Yeah. Um, According to Dr. Google, I should be dead. But there we go. Well, congratulations, you're looking great. Uh, <laughs> but um sometimes people some people like do like to go get research, but but the problem is. Google doesn't fact check and Google doesn't necessarily, you know, give you a balanced view. So I would be careful in doing that. But if it, if you go to like places like um, the NHS, Mental Health England, these kind of um, uh, mind charity, at least you know that there there is good solid medical advice on there, which isn't some, you know, 
go and stand outside and turn around three times and, and see what happens, which might work for some things, but, you know, it's not necessarily a measurable approach. What yeah. made you realise that the emotional change therapy was a the thing that was missing for you? Um, I was looking for purpose. Um, more than and like you said you know you're allowing your purpose everything and I I've been very lucky I've said yes to everything that's come across in my life and um and I've never planned anything I've always turned out all right I think uh, and and I've, I think I've had a very great rich life already so basically this thing came up and that is my husband and he was like I think you'd like to do this I'm like yeah whatever um, <laughs> And no, no, you should do this. You should do this, really. I'm like, yeah, still whatever. But I did do it because sometimes he is right. Don't tell him that. Um, and it connected with me because of one. I've always been interested in that that healing support side of things, anyway. Because I also I always feel that if you are if you're trained to take lives, you should also be prepared prepared to heal them as well. There's like a yin and yang about it. Don't know, you know, spiritual whatever it is. It's just that the balance isn't there. And so knowing knowing how to heal people also know how to heal people. Yes. Uh, and that was always very important to me. And I think that was my own personal balance, making sure that I didn't go too far one way. Mm-hmm. Um, because can do. They, they can. And particularly, again, in, in the military, and it's not that people don't care because they, they care deeply, which is why we have things like PTSD. But you you make jokes, you generalise, and, and in doing so, you can dehumanise the situation and you can dehumanise people. And that's when you have those terrible atrocities that, that unfortunately do happen. Mm-hmm. But, or like you have now in Ukraine where you, you have merc- paid mercenaries doing terrible things because they're humanity, they don't see people as people. So I've always been really concerned about making sure that I always see people as people. Remember that every life you affect has a knock-on impact. Yeah. If you take a life, there's a family behind that person. If you give a life, there's a family behind that person. And, and so it's really important to me. So so it wasn't that I, again, it, it didn't go, ECT is my my thing, hurrah. I was just like, I'll give it a go. And when I was there, when I could, when it turned out that actually I was quite good at it and, and I connected people I was with and I could make a lot of difference. And then afterwards I went away and I was like, well, let's go and do some more training first because I, you know, can't just come around and go and say, I'm here, I'm not qualified. So I spent the next, you know, sort of, three, four, five months doing free stuff, finding people just to practice on all the therapies, make sure I was doing it right, make yeah. sure you were safe. Um, and the more I did it, the more I was like, I feel this is what I need to do. That purpose was there. Yeah. And that certainty of purpose was there. And what I also realized is in the past, I did some business coaching because I did work in business and I was trained as a coach. And I was like, oh, you should do this. And I've never been as successful, both in terms of my own well-being as well as finances as I am now doing, doing than before because I never really want to be a business coach so I wanted to do it so I'm like yeah sure and yeah, yeah I can see how business works and, and but I had no passion behind it. it making money for other people doesn't give me any passion healing hearts and minds does yeah um and and that's how it kind of came about that I found the passion with the purpose does that help to give you confidence in what you're doing the fact that there is purpose behind it Definitely. I, and I think, again, the reason a lot of people struggle is because they're not doing the thing they're meant to do. And, and and that changes as well, because, you know, I have no regrets about any phases of my life. And every phase of my life has led me to where I am now. And because of my experience, I think it's why I can be a good therapist, because I've literally seen it all. 
Um, you know, and that, that means that, that, that I, I don't judge because I understand how complex humans are. I understand how complex life is, and I understand how one moment can change a life. Um, but I think what I see with a lot of the people I, I, I deal with, the ones who are less trauma and more life transformation, they just don't know what they want to do when they grow up. And my answer is, I don't know either. But I just try this thing, and it works out really well. Um, but but I think that's the thing is 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 that fear of failure. You know, we had this thing of, well, I must, like, you know, I'm 40 now. I must know what I want to do. Well, why? Because well, you, why? Yeah. you've got like another 60 years potentially to live, and the world's going to change. Some, like, the world's changing faster and faster now. You know, the last 20 years have seen more change than the previous 20 years did. So find your, your purpose, and it could be your purpose for now. And then from that journey, from that transformation, you'll find the next purpose. Because because as we grow, what we want changes as well. And our purpose yeah. changes with it. So it might be that there are multiple transformations over the course of our life. Absolutely. I'm quite sure that, oh, well, if I sit here and counted them all, <laughs> um, you know, we go through different phases of our lives and things that we, we do. And I like what you said there, like, oh, I tried this. And that didn't work. And then I tried, but I tried something else, and the passion came. And you wouldn't have known had you not tried. Exactly. And that—that's. I think there's no, not such. Or it's not always such a fear of failure. Sometimes there's a fear of success because what if it works? And then the responsibility that comes with it, which is why so many people stay in their comfort zone, mm-hmm. don't experience life. And all life truly has to offer because change is scary. But change is inevitable. It is inevitable. Um, you know, like we said, the aliens have come in or they've already come. Or Do you know what I said? Uh, when was it? I think it was probably three years ago. We were probably three months into the lockdown. And I said, when are the aliens attacking? <laughs> I, I was going for an asteroid attack, actually. I thought we were going to have Armageddon. But yeah, I mean, do you know what I saw? Um, do you know Brian Cox, the scientist guy? So my husband and I saw him, I don't know, maybe about four or five years ago. It's one of those moments where in his in his theatre talking thing, yeah. I totally understood everything you're saying and I left that room and I don't understand a word of what he said <laughs> so I probably didn't understand but um the one thing I do remember of, of all the, the big long words that he used was that um given the size of the universe it's almost impossible that we're the only life out there and, and so I'm like yeah that makes sense I can dig that yeah who knows who knows well I think that people do know and that they're not telling us. That's also quite likely. <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours. Um, so thank you very much for joining thank us. You. If you could leave people with one tip on being more confident through the way that you do things, what would it be? So I'm going to give you a little exercise. Uh, it's with an anchoring exercise, essentially. But for those listening, um, confident or not, if you're confident, really, it'll make you even higher. There's two things you can do. The first thing is I want you to remember a time in your life when you felt like you were unstoppable. And you think about 
where in your body you feel that that feeling you know it might be in your stomach in your hand in your chest in your heart but try to anchor that feeling and maybe anchor it into your your hand so you imagine that feeling wherever it is in your hand so that whenever you squeeze your fist you know you're unstoppable so that's the first thing you can do the second one is sometimes fake it to your make it bit controversial one but what I mean with this one is if you if you have someone that you look up to if you have someone who you think embodies what you believe confidence to be and you're just struggling then try to embody how you think they would feel like mm-hmm. you know become that person and imagine you giving a presentation running a marathon do whatever it is and and over the course of time you will become your version of that person if you if you could do it but, but with both these things you kind of have to practice because it is training your brain and over time you, you'll realize you don't need it more because you are confident and you are doing these things but you know firstly it's you know we, we've all got experiences where we feel unstoppable so let's find those and secondly is and if in doubt borrow someone else's strength give it give it to yourself as well amazing thank you very much i've very very much enjoyed this conversation Thanks. i'm Good, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. No, it was I'm terrible. Sure. I hated every moment. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners will as well. Where can they find you, follow you? Online stalking, I agree with, but just not in person. Sounds, sounds great advice. Uh, yes, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Philippa Bagley, or Philippa-HBS, I think it's on there. Uh, but if they find you, they'll find me probably. Um, I'm on Instagram, Philippa Bagley, and I'm on Facebook, Philippa Bagley. There's a theme. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't very creative with my names. Uh, but please, if you've enjoyed it, reach out. But also, you know, Natalie, well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me as well and for reaching out to have this conversation. It's been wonderful. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much to the listeners. Make sure you connect with Philippa. Um, do the tasks that you've been given. There's no point just listening and not taking action. We're all about taking action here. So thank you very much for listening, subscribing. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with a friend, a loved one, a family member, someone that maybe you don't like that you probably think needs some help (laughs) and get this out there to to make the world a better place. And um, thank you again. I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.